You are listening to the IBC Podcast, your international baseball career guide. Play ball! Now, here's your host, David Burns. Hey guys, we're back at this podcast thing again with episode number 70, and today we have Zach Kobe on the podcast. Zach has been overseas playing in the Shikoko Island League, which is a professional league in Japan, an independent league. And uh, he's also the man behind the signing of Manny Ramirez. And how he went about signing Manny uh, is, is an interesting story in itself, which he'll uh, tell us about today. Uh, and recently, the international baseball community slash baseball jobs overseas have partnered with the Shikoko Island League. Now Zach is uh, the head of recruitment for the Shikoko Island League. Uh, and we've partnered up with them to help them um, recruit foreign talent uh, so we'll tell you more about that or you can learn more about that on uh, the international baseball community.com website uh, just go under find a club and to japan and it explains more there in this episode we talk about everything from which foreign players have been playing in the league in the past uh, what they're looking for uh, and how to go about getting signed in the Chicago Island League. And then, of course, some stories about you know their travels and, and what the baseball is like there. And then, of course, um, we talk about Manny and the signing of Manny Ramirez. So without further ado, let's get on with this podcast episode number 70 with Zach Kobe. Zach, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me, Dave. Yeah, good to hear you again. I guess it's been about three years now since we had you on the podcast. Um, so there's a lot of catching up to do um but let's let's do a quick review to start uh how did you first end up in japan uh playing professional baseball maybe tell us a little bit about your background and then how you ended up in japan so a couple couple years ago i ended up getting signed by the the mandarin pirates of the chicago island league uh with that, that started a good relationship with between me and a lot of the owners and the GMs throughout the throughout the league. That year that I got signed, they were uh, they they were doing tryouts with my agent at the time in my home city, a couple other cities across the United States. Well, we ended up running a tryout for them down in in Fresno. We became good friends. And that gained a lot of uh, a lot of connections to getting new jobs throughout the year. Um, two years later, I ended up I ended up uh, finishing my contract with the Mandarin Pirates and ended up signing with the Koji Fighting Dogs, which is also in the same the same league, the Chicago Grand League. Mm-hmm. So it's been a it's been a journey um, on that side, but still in the same league. Yeah, yeah. So when was that again? Was that 2014? Was that 13? 2013. Wow. So you've been there a while, and I know they're long seasons. How how long is the the season for the Chicago Island League? Yeah, it's a it's a two seasons. Then um, really, it's first half and second half. It's a it's a ninety game season with about fifteen exhibition games, and. The, the the it's it's about the same length as a full major league season. We get I ride back every year about the mid to the end of October, depending on the exhibition games that you want to stay for at the end of the year. Yeah. But and how long it, how long you're in playoffs too as well. But it's it's kind of a it's kind of a weird thing over there. Things that we don't have to deal with is like uh, 
monsoons and, you know, hurricanes and stuff like that. Uh, or deal with in the United States that we have to deal with over there. So what it works is you rely on that spring training um, most of the time either anywhere from early February to to mid-March. It's a two-month spring training. And then two two months, April, April, where you play your, your first half. Then June and July is a break-in season because there's, out of those 60 days, it's going to rain for about 45 to 50 of them. Okay. Out of those 60 days. So there, you can't play baseball in, the, in southern Japan, or unless you have a dome, is the only way possible. Yeah. So what they do is all-star team, the all-star team from the Shikoku Island, We'll go up to Tokyo, play the Tokyo, uh, like, future all-stars, like the AAA all-star team. Yeah. And then they'll, they'll do either the United States or or to Europe or wherever they have, you know, planned out. Like, uh, last year we didn't do anything, but this year we're planning to either go, or next year we're either planning to go to the Canadian League or out to Europe to do something with those guys yeah. for a full month. So then you come back. And you play another series with the you play another series with the Tokyo uh, with the future All Stars, and then you come home. But by that time, it's about a month and a half. About a month and a half uh, out of those two months down. So you come back for about a week and a half, week and a half, give or take two weeks. That you get a little bit off time, a little bit, a little bit touch up work, and then you're on to the second half of the season. So roughly about August and half of September. Or three quarters away through September, then you got playoffs. Playoffs is about three weeks. So the winner of the Chicago Island League, which is a four fourteen base league, will play the winner of the DC League, which is a twelve a twelve team base league. And so for the past for the past five years, five five or six years, the Chicago Island League has won the it's called the Grand Championship of all Japan in the, the Japanese Independent League. Uh, championship at the end of the year. Yeah. And oh, it's been good. Like, I, they, they've been going for, I think, 13 years now. I think we've taken it 10 out of 13 years. Oh, wow. So, yeah. with that being said, the all-star team that travels to the States or wherever, um, I noticed that in the past that, that the the Chicago Island League all-star team did play the Can-Am League, and we'll get into that in a second. Is that Does that mostly consist of um, foreign players that are in the league, or is it a mixed year, or is it only Japanese players? Um, um, can you describe that, or is it just the top players in the league? Period. Um, for the most part, it's the top players. That uh, so last year, or, or so yeah, last year, not this year. Last year, we had uh, we had two, we had two, we had three foreign players on the team. We had two pitchers and one hitter. Um, I hit for us, and then we had two pitchers in the bullpen. Which the the foreign players that you know they have to they have to earn their right just as as, as much as the Japanese players. They don't come in just as, you know even though they are better resume or whatever they still have to earn their spot as far as making that all star squad. Yeah. Okay. Uh, how, how did you guys fare against the Canem League a couple of years ago? It, I just kind of skimmed through some of the scores. I found found the score somewhere, and it seemed like maybe you were both sp- splitting your way through. Yeah, we were. Um, we were the first year we went. I think we won three games. We were the team was kind of 
poorly picked, I would say. You know, one thing you got to do is you also like one thing. Sorry, I will go back to. I want to go back to that other question. One thing that is also taken into consideration is like you might be having a good season, but can you compete at the next level? You know, mm-hmm. um, that's something that's taken into consideration because most of the coaches have either played in the United States or have played against other Americans at at the high level. You know, so they know like this guy is not going to be able to compete. He might be be able to having a good year this year, but he's not going to be able to compete at the next level. Up, okay. You know. Or he, or he's gonna struggle, or he always struggles against foreign pitching, you know. Yeah. Because they want. So at that point, he'll make the all-star team, but for the Japanese side only. And those are like those are very few. Those are little, a couple exceptions, and that's more for the Japanese players, yeah. more than the the foreign players. Yeah. But so coming back over to coming back to the back to the question is that yeah, um, the first year we went, which was two years ago. When we started the international tour, we we went like I think it was like four and sixteen or something like that. Mm-hmm. Last year we were right about five hundred. The tough the, the tough thing about playing in the in this uh, in this in this tour is that we're the visiting team the whole time through. Yeah. yeah. So you know you got to, you don't get to ever have the hammer. And I, I would say I would say I think we play like roughly like twenty to twenty five games. And I want to say that I want to say like we were tired towards the end because out of those twenty to twenty-five games, I would say probably at least half of them were extra games. So the fans that came to watch definitely got their money's worth. <laughs> and we did we did good in extra innings to start the to start the year off uh, or to start the tour off. But we went the last three series. We had three rivers, and then we had uh, then we had Ottawa. And those six straight games, I think, six straight games of extra in baseball. Wow. And I guess yeah. a, lot, a lot of traveling, a lot of hotel time. Like, how, how long is this tour? It looks, I guess, through June, July. So you're you're looking at maybe a six-week tour? or Roughly, yeah, roughly five or six weeks. It's a, it's a, it's a good tour. The guys get, you know, like, this is the first time for a lot of these guys to be away from their, uh, where they're used to being at. Mm-hmm. More for more than a month, you know. Yeah. I mean, when we travel on the road, we travel on the road most of, most of the time. You know, like we're there for a day or two days, and then we're back. Yeah. You know, it's not like you know, you know, takes baseball. We're gone for two weeks at a time, sometimes a month, and then you and then you come back to your back to your home stadium. You know, it's not like that there. You go for one or two days, and you're back home. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes two, sometimes three or four, but never more, never really more than that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so these guys, you know, most of these, most of the Japanese guys you're playing with are eighteen to twenty-three. Yeah. You know, they're not that old either. And so, and they're all paid. They're all professional players. Yeah, this is a professional league. Everybody is paid. Oh, yeah. and, and it's it, it's more serious. They take it more serious than than any kind of baseball you've ever seen. Yeah. I mean, these guys are like they'll, for example, so they'll we'll get to the hotel. We'll get to the hotel after a game, and no, and everybody will be out there unless you, unless you, you know, you're just on a hot streak, just you're the guy. But everybody will be out there taking uh, mirror swings or phantom swings, and people will be doing yeah. power drills, and they'll do it for at least an hour. And it's not mandated. Some if you're not playing good, it's mandated. But if, if you're just doing okay, 
Yeah, it's not mandated, but these guys are out there doing it because they want to grow as players. Yeah. You know, and I've yeah. been paid as a job to be a professional baseball. I know it's not a lot, but, I mean, that's a dedication and determination that, needs, that most guys don't see that need to – that's what you need to have to grow. Really, and I I remember you saying so, last time just how the the practices are are ridiculously long and <clears throat> you know it's just a lot more um, work that you have to put in compared to the professional player maybe back in the states. I remember it sounding like it was quite the grind, <clears throat> and when I interviewed you before, um, so do you think like are do do import players that come there do they often struggle with that or are they pretty much just happy to be there and, and um, you know, willing to put in that kind of effort. Because I know, I know those, those the Japanese guys are they're pretty hardcore, so to be able to keep up with, with their work ethic would could wear a guy down when he's not used to it, I guess. Oh, yeah, exactly. Well, the, the, the guys that I always send to Japan, I always tell them I prepare them as, as, much, as best as I can to, to know what they're going to actually come into. And the, I would say... Except for one guy, all everybody has uh, their biggest problem was being fatigued. You know, and I tell them like that's the biggest thing. Is like they like being fatigued there is being is a completely different fatigue than being here. You know, like you're there, you're gonna be mentally, physically not even fatigued, but you gotta learn to play exhausted because you just practice so much. Like the the pregame, the pregame batting practice isn't a batting practice. It's a full practice. It's about three hours Jeez. before you even before you even get to put on your uniform and hit and get under the lights. You know, and I, w- I so wouldn't even I wouldn't even last a day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's definitely tough. You know, yeah. but if when you act, you see these guys, they lack, what what they lack is is the biggest thing is is power. Mm-hmm. You know, these guys lock in power, but what you don't see is you don't see defensive lapses. You don't see Aaron judgment too often. You know, you don't see – when you watch this infield outfield, like every throw is one hop, perfect one hop, perfect all the way there. Balls crisply popped around the infield. I mean, these guys, like, it, it's it's really impressive to watch. Yeah. You know, they, they do lock on the, the, the hitting side a little bit, but it's a – it's a pretty impressive baseball style, and watching these guys is like uh, it's motivation to to up your game. Yeah, you know, really. Yeah. So, do you think do some of the do some guys come there and just fizzle out? Like it's just too much for them, uh, too intense for them, so they just yeah. pack their bags and go home. Does that happen often? Or um, most of the guys, most of the guys that I end up signing don't go, don't fizzle out. You know, they get tired and. Um, I haven't had anybody get hurt. Let's knock on some wood here. But most of the time they just get, you know, they've lost the whole season. They just get worn down so much that they just, their performance kind of tapers out a little bit. Yeah. You know, um, start the season off, they always, they always do pretty good. And then you get closer to halfway and they start going down. And then after halfway, after halfway they're back on top again because it's a good, it's a good break for them. And then it's just back going back down again, you know. So it's trying to, you know, not all the guys, some of the guys. Yeah. You know that's that's a that's a problem with the guys that don't succeed. There, the guys that do succeed come in mentally and physically ready to go. Yeah. And a lot of the a lot of the off season, like a lot of the off seasons here, like you don't have to really prepare on like your your body condition. You know, you work on getting stronger. 
work on, you know, hitting the baseball a little bit of defense. And then that's what spring training is for in the United States too. You know, unless you don't have a job, you got to go to earn a job. But if you got a contract, go to the spring training to be ready for season. Yeah. Spring training in Japan is is not is not that. Spring training in Japan, you got to go in full speed running. Yeah. You know, you got to hit the ground running. Because if you if you're not ready and you leave a bad impression the first time, you're you're done pretty much. You shot yourself in the foot. Mm-hmm. Well, it's good to know for anyone that is going in there. Um, and I, like you said, you just inform them up front and, and prepare them for it the best you can. And then I think that's why you've had a success rate with the guys you brought in, um, <clears throat> which goes, I think, anywhere overseas if you kind of prepare them for what's different because things are going to be different wherever you're going overseas. Um, how, let, let's talk a little bit more about the imports. Um, first of all, um, how many on average per team? Yeah, I mean, there's only four teams, so I guess you have a pretty good idea of how many guys, um, how many imports, and has has it continued to expand? Are there more imports now than, than when we when we spoke last, or or is it pretty much the same? Um, I would say it, it fluctuates depending on the budget per year, but I would say the caliber of imports has grown. You know, I I've supplied a lot of the foreign players throughout the years. And throughout the years, I've learned what, what players work and what players don't. Um, and it really, really, it depends on the on the budget. Honestly, the team I play for always holds the most foreigners. Um, we've, the past couple of years, we've held, um, over the last four years that I've played in that league, I've seen that team hold up to anywhere from 8 to 10. Okay. You know, most the other team the the other team I played for, they hold on average between two and three. Most I've ever seen on that team has been six, and the other two the other two teams only will only hold like uh, two at the two, maybe three at the most, but they always have at least two. And are these are these Japanese Americans or or uh, I know that kind of was the trend before that a lot of Japanese Americans were over or is it pretty much anyway? Well, I know obviously um, your team signed Manny Ramirez, which we'll get into in a bit. So he, I'm pretty sure he's not a Japanese American, but um, you, you do. Have, I did notice that was the kind of the trend before a few Japanese Americans that I know um, have made their way to the Shikoku Island league in the past. So, Yeah, there's a, the one, I, I, don't, I don't know before me, I, well, we, I went over in 2013, it's, it, it sparked a trend for, you know, not only Japanese-American, but other Asian-American kind of foreigners. Mm-hmm. I got there, they really liked the mentality and the demeanor that I posed as a human being, mm-hmm. and which, you know, they thought that must be instilled through your Asian, you know, your Asian heritage. Later that later that year, they you know, and I'm not saying these guys aren't good players either. That that's what landed them a job as well, probably too. Later that year, they signed another guy, Joe Wilson. Yeah. Um, yeah. Who I think you guys are familiar with. He was one of the actually right at the, yeah. Right, yeah, right at right at the, actually right at the same time, roughly at the same time. I think we were actually signed together. Um, so Joe Wilson and uh, and I played together through this. That kind of paved the gateway for 
like about two or three other guys coming over that that has Asian American heritage. Tomo Delph the next year being another Japanese American. Also, that's Chris Bryant's uh, brother-in-law. Oh yeah, funny to say. <laughs> yes, yeah, small world, but um, yeah, uh, I don't know the other two guys that came through, but uh, I know that there's been quite a few through through that that way. But yeah, I mean that is an option, and that I mean it definitely won't hurt. Yeah. But they're always looking for the best possible player to better their team. Yeah. So, and you, sorry, you mentioned earlier, um, you know, what type of players work well there. Um, can you elaborate on that? Like what, what is the type of player that works well there? Uh, the best type of player that works there is your tip as a hitter, your typical three, four, five hitter. Um, you know, you got to think of it, what they don't have. These guys are about all five foot eight, Five foot eight, five foot nine, or shorter, about a buck sixty, and don't really got a lot of pop in their bat. You know, they're like almost they're the same hitter all the way through, pretty much. They're a leadoff hitter. Yeah. You know, they're the one, 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 maybe two, one, two, eight, nine hitter. Yeah. That's what that's what the most typical Japanese hitter is going to be. You know. So you got to think about what they don't have. They're looking for that three, four, five, six hitter in the lineup. A guy with a little bit of pop. You don't have to be a big homer guy, but you got to be able to hit the ball in the ballpark in batting practice. Yeah. You know, be able to hit at least four or five a year. You know, because if you can do that, then that means you can get the ball to the fence and you can hit doubles. So and over a 90 game season, four or five home runs is sufficient for them? Four or five as a quarter is sufficient. Yeah. I mean, that'll work as well. That'll work as long as your RBI and your 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 extra base hits are high. Yeah. You know, like if you're if you're not a guy that if you're a singles guy, and that you know and that shows on your resume to put, and you don't show that you got a little bit of juice in the back, it's gonna be hard to get a job. Honestly. Yeah. You know, I'm not saying you gotta you gotta be a big home run guy, but you gotta be able to get that. You gotta be able to burn an outfielder. In the gap once in a while. Yeah, and what what kind of background are we talking about for most for the most part? Anyway, I've I've signed guys anywhere from straight out of college to uh, major ex major leaguers, ex ex potential Hall of Famers. You know, so it's definitely the the affiliated the affiliated or the independent pro background does not hurt at all. You know, like anything could happen. Really, like. You know, really guys with the affiliated background, you know, like, I, I look at it this way, you know, and I'm not kicking affiliate guys, but you look, you know, everybody has the same opportunity as the next guy, should have the same opportunity as the next guy, you know, that guy that has a bigger resume might not be the same, the same player that he was, and this guy that was playing last year in college might not be the same player. Maybe he's ready to play affiliate ball now. Yeah, and you know? yeah, that's so true. Yeah. Really, yeah, it really get it really you know like you check the background, you're like okay, and then you kind of move on to see where they actually have grown as a player throughout the off season. Yeah, and um, yeah, and I'm assuming within your your budget, your import budget. You know, you, you might spend quite a bit for a lights out pitcher that had that affiliated background, and then maybe go for a budget guy that's straight out of college who's a quality player, and a, you know, and he's hungry, obviously, just fresh out of college. So, um, yeah, some so, some some teams, some teams will sign that one big foreign player that you know most of the time, most of the time that foreign player 
that big foreign player is either a starting pitcher or a or a closer. We yeah. haven't quite we haven't quite got into the whole affiliate god major major hitter with uh the with the two other teams with uh Ekime and the Pirates we've we've got into signing a couple big hitters throughout the years. Yeah. But uh but as that goes, yeah, I mean that's the biggest thing is like they'll they'll see what they'll see what they go with the big player and then after that they'll kind of uh they'll kind of budget down with their other guys after that. Yeah. Um speaking of budget I mean uh, just from memory, I'm thinking like a, an average salary on the low end is around a thousand bucks a month. Um, somewhere ranging between a thousand to three thousand a month is a kind of a typical salary for for uh, your import player. Yeah, roughly. Uh, so your base salary is anywhere between a thousand to fifteen hundred. Um, that's what flights paid every, and uh, that's flights paid. Plus, on top of that, you get an incentive, so you can make double your salary. You can make more, you know, if you play well. Yeah. So that's one thing that that playing in the states or other places don't pay is that incentive, and that's you know that's huge. Like I know, yeah. like for example, like incentive in like for the team I play for a team I play with right now is a hit. A hit is ten dollars. A home run is fifty dollars. It could be more, you know, give or take. But this is just like your basic startup. Yeah. You know, uh, you get the first RBI of the game. That's thirty dollars. You get a walk. That's ten dollars. You know, and everybody, as far as foreign players, incentives go more towards base of what kind of player they are. If they're more inclined to be a home run guy, they're gonna try to boost up their home run uh, incentive to get them to try to hit the ball in the ballpark a little bit more. But yeah, I mean that's basically what we're looking at. That's I mean, cool. you get a you get a game that's a hundred bucks. You know, so you're talking about you 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 play like the guy and you can make easily fifteen hundred dollars in a month. Yeah, and just a, but in, in incentive pay, that's cool. Just um, in, yeah, just an incentive pay. Um, so for the most part, um, are the imports coming out of the your pro tryouts, or is it kind of a combination of some guys signed into the pro tryouts, some through you know trusted sources? Um, uh, so can you kind of fill me in a little bit on on for the most part how the importing is is working there, the recruitment of ninety to ninety five ninety to ninety five percent of the players that come from the island league do come from the the pro tryout. That we do host off the United States. Okay. Um, there, there are a couple guys that you know get through, get sent through through their agents or uh, connections, uh, connections of Japanese guys that know American guys that you know just have that connection tied to somebody in Japan. Um, to start the year off, it's like ninety to ninety-five percent. Mm-hmm. After after season starts, it's probably. Closer to, I would say, 95 or more of players that get signed throughout the season from from the pro child or guys that guys that I have in my database of players mm-hmm. that would they want to release a guy or or they want to boost their their, their foreign player throughout the year. Hey, hey, Zach, what do you got? You got? I need this and this and this. Okay, I I seen this guy. Here's a video on him from the tryout. Or here's a video I have on him. 
and then boom, they pull the trigger and they got the guy there two weeks later. Yeah. So, so we, we should clarify actually at this point what your role is now. You're not just a player in the Chicago Island League anymore. You, you, you've taken on a larger role, which is involved in the recruitment of foreign players uh, or import players. Can you just, uh, what is your role exactly? So I have, it's kind of a, it's kind of a, like a hybrid role. I work for, I work for the Island League as far as scouting, um, the whole Island League. So what that does is giving um, opportunity to all the teams to see all the players that I'm going to go see for, for the Fighting Dogs. So I have the, the, the scouting division for the Fighting Dogs, yeah. which is a team I play for. But also for the Island League, I do scouting to give them the same opportunity as I'm giving the, the uh, as I'm giving the fighting dogs. You know, of course, the fighting dogs are going to take top priority because they hired because I work for their team directly. But also, the Island League <clears throat> gives all the teams that same kind of uh, reach into my database, as 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 I would say. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I do I do work for all the teams. And everybody, everybody gets signed. And and from the foreign player side, they don't really know, you know, uh, what these foreign players have. But over the years, I've grown that trust. So it's like, hey, what do you got? I need this. Okay, I got two contracts. Boom! I send them. I send them the top two names. They like it right away. They pull the trigger on them. Perfect. And that's that's how it works for other three teams. And most of the time, it's within like. It's like immediate. It's within like 45 minutes of me texting them or saying them like, we'll know by the end of the trial, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, with the party dogs, I signed on the spot. I, I have the power to sign on the spot. So that's, I mean, that's how, that's my role. And that's how, you know, the trial and stuff works for the whole league. I'm trying to, hopefully by the, hopefully by the end of this year, I'm, I'm renegotiating, renegotiating with the odd league. So hopefully, that will they'll give me the same power as the fighting dogs would give me. Yeah, yeah, that that'd be great. Um, well, I think you're on the right track for that. Um, so you, there's three showcases coming up in the end of 2017 here in November and December. Um, can you tell us where they're at and um, and then you know how much how much it costs for somebody to attend a tryout? So we have one in uh, coming up quick. This is the this is the first one that's going to start off our 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 scouting tour. It's November twenty fifth, I believe that's Thanksgiving Thanksgiving weekend. Um, right after Thanksgiving, hopefully everybody will be in town. Come home to see the folks or come home to see your family. You know, guys that are in California, the November twenty fifth at Los Alamitos High School in Los Al- Alamitos, California, which is in Los Angeles area. Okay. I, I believe it's roughly 45 minutes from LAX, maybe probably at, at most with traffic. Um, then we'll head to Texas. Uh, I believe that's December 9th. And we're looking right now, it's going to be in Texas. We're not sure yet, but we're looking for the uh, Dallas-Fort Worth area. That's what we're planning on right now. That's December 9th. Okay. Then we're going to head, then we're, we're heading to South Florida, December 10th. And that's going to be in Fort Lauderdale. Okay. Uh, the location of the one in Fort Lauderdale and the one in, in Dallas-Fort Worth will be closed at a later time. But 
once we finish uh, building that that plan for those two. Okay. But those are the the address for the Los Alamitos Los Alamitos in Los Angeles has been officially set and ready to go. Okay. And how much does it cost uh, for an early bird registration and then same day registration? So early registration, early registration will be set at a hundred dollars a piece per player, a hundred dollars per player, um, with with the maximum of fifty players. So okay. first fifty players will get that early registration. After that, after that, it's going to be a hundred and twenty-five dollars the day of. Okay, and it's going to be a a full day tryout. Everybody's going to get full three rounds of batting practice, five throws from five throws to each base, a sixty, and then the qualifying players will meet after the showcase to play in a to play in a a, set, a sim, like a simulated game. Yeah, really is what it is. Okay. And how would somebody go about registering as an early bird? How do they contact, or what's it? Do you have any contact information or a or a website they can go to? There's a, my contact information is an email, and I'll uh, as you email me, it's, it's, it'll be on the on the on your website. But it's yeah. it's c o l b y s o n one zero one six at hotmail dot com. Colbyson ten sixteen at hotmail dot com. Yeah, and they just go ahead and, and it's on the fly. They'll send a, send me an email and I'll walk them through the process of how to pre-register. Yeah, and I'll, it'll so, be posted so in the show notes to this podcast as well. And and anyone, any of our members from my website could always contact me and I can direct them as well. Perfect. Yeah, that's well. I try to, the website. The website that's set up is uh, it's a Japanese-based website. It's not working with the American cards as best as we thought, so we're going to switch to a different a different process. Okay, and uh, make it a lot easier for the for the guys to sign up and uh, actually get their uh, get their resume set out. Yeah. Um, before I move on to Manny, I want to ask you um, about the BC League and what your your knowledge in the, about the BC League. I mean, obviously, being three times as big as far as teams are concerned. Um, do you, is it relatively the same as far as importing, or are they are they not importing uh, like like you are in the Chicago League, Chicago Island League? Uh, the BC League, the BC League does import players. Um, of course, of course, there's going to be a lot more foreign players there for having 12 teams. Uh, but to be honest with you, there's only like three or four teams. That really have four, that have more than one foreign player. Most of most of the BC teams only will host one foreign player yeah. at the most. There's there was three teams this year in the BC League that didn't have any that didn't have any foreigners. Four, four sorry, four teams that didn't have any foreign players on it. Oh, I see. Ishikawa the, and these are the, these are the teams that had before Ishikawa, Guma, and um, Toyama. They all had like. I think they have three to five quarter foreign players on their team. The other, after that, the other teams only the only teams only hold one foreign player. And how does somebody go about? Do you know how somebody goes about um, getting? Uh, you know, go. You know, um, like do they hold tryouts as well, or do they have their own connections? Um, as far as um, I believe, 
I believe they hold their own trials. I I think they I think they only do one trial throughout the one trial a year. I'm not too I'm not too sure on the BC League how they do that. I don't. Uh, of course, I don't uh, contract for them. Yeah, yeah. But I'm sure there I'm sure there is uh, I'm sure there's a way, and I can actually uh, look into that and see so I can so we can help out the listeners a little bit more on getting getting jobs for the upcoming up years. Yeah, that sounds good. And I know we're going to be working together a little bit. I, I know the majority of guys, like you said, signed through your showcases. But you're going to at least, um, you know, consider some of the top guys that come across my desk. So, um, you know, and you've kind of we, – we've had a long discussion about what that standard is and what you're looking for and stuff. So I have a good idea. I can send you some names exactly. in the future. But for the most part, we're going to direct everybody to the showcases. Um, looks like maybe a European showcase in 2018. Well, look out for that, anybody that's listening. And now let's talk about Manny Ramirez. Um, how did you sign? And you are the guy behind signing Manny Ramirez. How, first of all, did you even get a hold of him? How, how did that come about? Uh, Manny Ramirez, man. We've come to call Manny Ramirez the parrot. So if you hear me refer to him as a parrot, um, you know who I'm talking about, but Manny, man, uh, it was, it's, it's kind of a funny story. Uh, we, we worked on, we were working on some stuff with a, uh, Taiwanese baseball team, which was the, used to be called the, the Ida Rhinos, mm-hmm. where Manny actually played in 2013. That's actually one of our business partners. We were doing some stuff with them and, as we're looking through a lot of their pamphlets and advertisement, advertisement stuff, all I see is Manny, 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 Manny. And I'm like, all right, all right, this is great. They did this. They did a great job at like bringing in a baseball superstar. You know, um, and then I had a buddy that was playing for the Cubs at the time. He was saying that Manny had come through their system last year, and you know, had kind of. Didn't see out the eye with the Cubs or, or decided to part his own ways. I don't remember what it was. But uh, was now at the time a free agent. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking through Instagram. I'm trying to figure out, like, if he's still playing or what. And as soon as I pull up the Instagram feeds, it's Manny Hitty, Manny Hitty, Manny Hitty, Manny Hitty. He's, he's 42, 43 years old. I think he's actually, no, he's 45. Yeah, he's, uh, yeah, I believe 45. Um, and he's just crushing the ball. The sound off his bat, I'm like, okay, this guy's definitely hitting. So I get on, I, I get on the phone, I get on the ring, I call, I call his his old agents, and you know, I I, I, I go on a limb and I ask, I said, man, hey, my kids can give me a number, you know, I I expected to get shot down, and I did. And respectfully, they, they're like, you know, I wish I could, man, but, uh, you know, I got a lot of a business side. I can't help you there. So I was like, all right. So I found the next agent's number. They all said the same thing. So I approached it a little bit differently, went back to Instagram, and sent a, uh, sent a direct feed to the top, I think it was the top five or six Instagrams, uh, mo- uh, most popular Instagrams. And I happened to be on the golf course. I had just teed off on the first uh, the first hole on a, on one of the local golf courses here, and I get a phone call. And I answer, and it's a lion voice. 
hey, bro, how you doing? And it's a lot of you guys talking to me like we've been friends for years. Yeah. And I'm like, good, man. So I talk back to him like, like I know him. Hey, man, how's it going? How you doing? Hey, good, man. Hey, who is this? And, you know, many are marriage. And <laughs> I, I kind of, my heart just dropped for a second. I said, like, the Manny Ramirez? <laughs> he goes, yeah, man, Manny Ramirez. So we just started talking, and uh, he, he, I asked him, you know, hey, man, you want to play baseball? And he said, yeah, man, I, I, I am baseball. I live, breathe, that's all I do. And we got, we just kept talking. <laughs> I didn't even go pick up my ball. I hit it, answered my phone, turned out, jumped to my car. <laughs> Put my bag in the car, talking to Andy the whole way back to my office yeah. at my facility, and talking the whole time. We, uh, I ran through some numbers with him, you know, what it was going to be like, what he wanted from this experience, and what he needed. And we came to an agreement that day. I, uh, I had to wait till about four o'clock in the morning to call my GM because it was it was nighttime over there, so. Called my GM, told him, hey, this is what I got. I'm going to sign this guy. And I need a lot more budget from you, pretty much. He got he got back to me within 30 minutes. We got the budget. And we ended up signing Manny. Wow. Well, um, I guess they were four, pretty stoked so, on that, <laughs> that you signed Manny Ramirez. Right? Yeah. The craziest thing ever. Like it, uh, we, ended up, we ended up flying out to Fort Lauderdale. Um where he was actually training at the time and uh, with the GMs and to have a official signing kind of and to kind of check on to make sure that uh, he was still doing okay. And I tossed him three balls and the last one I tossed, the last one I tossed him was like a little slider, little slider cutter without him even knowing and he crushed it. <laughs> and at that point I knew, man, that Manny, Manny's outside, Manny's hitting, he's still getting yeah. You know, he's getting to go. So we we signed Manny and like he ended up we ended up signing for a second season or sure the second half of the season for him to come back. He liked it so much. So yeah, that that's unreal. So I mean I could go on forever about this, but basically you, you found him through Instagram somehow. Like you you put a shout out kinda of to him on Instagram and he phoned you. Yes. It was actually, all right, so it actually, the, the response back actually came from his wife, his wife's Instagram. It was kind of, it, it wasn't, it was like one, it was her website or her uh, Instagram site that she was, had posted a couple videos of Manny hitting the ball and doing his training. The other Manny website uh, DM'd me back and just said like, no, they were fan pages or whatever. And that they were getting them from, they were getting the hitting videos from so-and-so. Yeah. And it just happened that his wife emailed me back first. Yeah. You know, so it was, you know, thank you. That's cool. Thank you to Jeff Ramirez for that connection. Yeah. That's great. So getting back to the Manny contract, you know, it obviously was all over social media that he, he, he part of the contract was unlimited sushi. Um, let, let's, let's squash this one right now. Does he get, did he get unlimited sushi or what was the deal with that? Um, yeah, a lot of these things that were said on the media had me kind of laughing, but they were, you know, and most of the things in the media are partially true mm-hmm. to the most, 
to a certain extent. But yeah, that's why he did get unlimited sushi at at one of uh at one of the at one of the local chain shops that we have. It's a it's a chain. It's it's not really a chain, but it's a shop. The shop owner has four different locations in Kochi, and he was the Manny Sushi sponsor. It was his. The name of the shop. If you guys ever go to uh, ever go to Kochi, it's called Sushi Econ. Yeah. So it's like a rotisserie or or like a you know like a floating chain of sushi that goes all the way around the sushi bar. Yeah. But of course, comes in and Manny. I get. I throw the menu down. And make sure, make sure I had a translated menu for him because we went to the same spot probably three or four times a week. Yeah. So I, I went and made sure the menu was translated for him. And he just goes, I want five of these, five of these, five of these, two of these, four of those. I'm like, okay. All right, we'll take order. He goes, no, 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 that's for me, Zach. What do you want? <laughs> and we're already like 40 pieces of sushi here. Yeah. <laughs> that's nuts. So, yeah, that's, that's part, that's, you know, that's, partially true, but yeah, many did get many did get sushi, unlimited sushi out of his shop. And I'm assuming Manny you know, didn't he, he, he probably wasn't in the kind of shape you need to like getting back to the intensity of the Japanese trainings and everything. I'm assuming he wasn't out there for seven hours a day with the rest of the team. Oh, <laughs> uh, absolutely no. He wanted to though. It was crazy. He'd want to be at the field twenty four seven. We get to we get to warm ups, and we warm up. We do uh, first thing we always do is defense, you know. So we get our defense in, um, and while we were doing our defense, Manny would get taken by our, our trainer, and and he would go do some flexibility stuff for about an hour and a half or so. By then, we we finished the first half of our defensive side. Go, then go into hitties. That's where Manny would come back and hit, and then he turn around and leave. So he was there for probably about four, maybe four hours a day. Yeah. So he did. He, he still did put in his work. Though at forty five years old, he he outworked some of the some of the twenty five, twenty six year olds still too. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, I mean, I'm sure he's still in great shape. So, uh, how was the season playing alongside Manny? I, I think he he was hitting behind you, right? Yeah, he hit behind me. Yeah, that's sorry. I'll tell you what, that's, it, it's unreal. Yeah. It's unreal. Yeah. Um, Manny, Manny himself is, he doesn't want to be looked at and be idolized as a guy like, oh, I'm Manny Ramirez, ha I'm the boss, you know, like I'm the guy. No, Manny just wants to be part of the team, part of the guy. He's a great clubhouse guy, great guy to be around. Yeah. You know, like, you can't, it's one of those things like you'll say and this is what we call the imperative, like one guy will get a saying that he uses all the time and Manny just if he likes it he'll just start carrying it. <laughs> yeah. And then that becomes them oh Manny says this all the time. <laughs> you know, so it's like it's like Manny it, Manny takes the saying and makes it his. Yeah. You know, which is which is cool which is cool. Like if he likes something that you say he gets on it, he's saying it all the time. And it's funny, he'll come out of nowhere and, and just Drop the drop the parent line on you. Yeah, <laughs> um, hitting with hitting with him like he just he hits all the time. You know, and they they say hitting is contagious for a guy that just never ever went into a slump ever in his life with two fights. Um, that you, you just pick up a lot of things. Yeah, you know, and he 
when he's not a guy that oh yeah he hits he hits so good that he just talks about hitting. No, he, a lot of a lot of things he talks about when he hits is like see the ball and hit the ball. Don't think about it too much. Yeah. You know, it's a lot of that's a lot of problems. He, he says he says to me, yeah, exactly. That's a lot of problems with these kids nowadays is that they think of they want to think about too much of it rather than just work on hitting the ball. Yeah, you know. Yeah, so, people, I mean, t- people uh, we do tend to overthink it too much sometimes and overanalyze it, and sometimes it's, it does. Exactly. It's as simple as just seeing the ball and hitting the ball. Um, so, you know, how did that work out for Kochi? Like, you know, did they draw in a lot more fans because Manny Ramirez was on the team, or, or what? You know, how, how was the the response uh, to Manny being in the lineup? Shoot, uh, we sold out our stadium the first two games of the season. Um, before, like, we opened we opened at home for the first two games of the season, then we went on the road after that for a little bit. But we opened the first two games against the South Bend Cox minor league team, yeah. which is a, a big, uh, NPB team. Yeah. And they brought their their developmental team to play against us opening day, and we had about 10,000 people. In the stands, wow. that that that's the maximum capacity in our stadium. Um, many, many then, you know, uh, played a couple more games. I think brought in about roughly around five thousand fans. We average we average for our stadium about fifteen hundred a night. So yeah, many boosted us about thirty five hundred give or take. Yeah, you know, which was great to have, but also he's. He's an entertainer as well. We all know that he's going into the Green Monster to eat strawberries from the kids and stuff back there, talk to the guys that work in there. He thought, so, <laughs> Manny, so Manny told me a story one time. They said, Al, you know, hey, Manny, you go into the Green Monster all the time. And he goes, what are you going to the Green Monster? The rumor is that you're going in there to go to, go to the bathroom. He's like, no, man. I go into the Green Monster to talk to the people back there that work the scoreboard, you know, because, like, you hear them talking all the time through the scoreboard. You're out there playing in left field. You know, you can hear them talking all the time. So I go back there and I talk to them so I can actually look at them all the time. There we go. Hey, man. But the question is, did you go to the bathroom? Yeah. Yeah, man. I had to go pee. (laughs) (laughs) So, So, I mean, of course, I'm... That story told. It's a lot funnier in person, but you, you got I mean, to the bottom of it, though. <laughs> I got to the bottom of it. He's a he's just a, a, a hilarious character, hilarious, a hilarious character. He's a one of a kind kind of person, man. Yeah, my impression, you know, obviously from the outside, is that he's just a laid back, relaxed guy that's always in a good mood, and um, that's that's kind of the impression that I have, and, and I'm pretty sure that's exactly who he is. He's a big. He's a big kid, is what he is. He's a big clown, a big kid. If you take a ten-year-old and put him in a forty-five-year-old man's body, that's exactly what it is. <laughs> you know. So what, what, is, what? What was his incentive? Like, what? What made him want to come play in the Chicago Island League? Um, he always said that he wanted to play in Japan, and so the thing of him going to play in Japan was something that he always wanted to do. Uh, to get the whole experience. Yeah. You know, we, of course, we didn't have a lot, a whole lot to offer him. We paid him a, a good amount of money, but it wasn't like, it, it wasn't like he came for the money. Many of did not need the money. I mean, he, 
I think he's made two hundred fifty one million dollars. You know, so that guy he he didn't come for the money, he came for the experience yeah. and the love of baseball. And it really showed what he got out to do his stuff on the field that he was genuinely in love with the game. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Well, you know, I, we're working on almost an hour here, Zach. I appreciate, you know, you telling us about Manny, filling us in about the Chicago Island League. Um, I know you're going to get a ton of guys coming to your showcases, or not your showcases, your pro tryouts, um, once again in Texas and in Florida and and uh, in California. So, you know, we'll um, hopefully meet up again one of these times. Maybe I'll make my way out to... Japan, uh, it's on the bucket list anyway. So, uh, and looks like maybe we'll we'll work together in Europe next year if we can if we can get a, a tryout here in Europe and get some of that European talent, uh, maybe to the Chicago Iron League. We'll see. Definitely, that would uh, sound uh, sounds good, and uh, hopefully that uh, we can talk soon here. Perfect, buddy. Enjoy your, your enjoy your time back home, and uh, let's stay in touch. We will do. Hey guys, appreciate your time. Thank you for listening. And if you're interested in playing in the Chicago Island League, uh, once again, you could email Zach at colbyson1016 at hotmail.com. That's C-O-L-B-Y-S-O-N-1016 at hotmail.com. You could also inquire, or if you're an IBC member, you can inquire with me at dburns at baseballjobsoverseas.com. IBC members are entitled to a discount and special privileges, uh, which we will disclose upon registration. And, uh, yeah, also, if you're interested in playing anywhere around the world, that's what we do. We help players get signed in Europe, in Australia. We're also, in, uh, a lot of our guys are getting signed in Canada. We've, we've had guys signed in South Africa, New Zealand, uh, even in China as, a co- uh, China as a coaching gig. So we're continuing to expand. We're in Argentina as well. We're continuing to expand. And uh, if, you're, if you want some pre-registration feedback, feel free to email me as well at dburns at baseballjobsoverseas.com. I can tell you, you know, what your chances are, what opportunities may exist over there uh, or around the world for you. Uh, whether you're a, you know, a college graduate or you've been playing pro ball for a number of years, there's opportunities overseas for everybody at a variety of levels, uh, paid opportunities. You shouldn't have to reach into your own pocket uh, unless, of course, you, you, know, you have subpar stats or maybe you didn't play at the highest level of baseball. Sometimes that's what it takes to jumpstart a career overseas. Um, so best thing is just to email me with that pre-registration uh, feedback request and I'll get right back to you. Okay, until next time, I'm not sure when the next podcast episode will come out. I plan on doing more uh, once uh, the redesign of our new website comes out, which will open up more time uh, for myself and supporting IBC blog staff to come up with more podcast episodes, more Globetrotters, you name it. We just want to keep giving you guys quality information about what opportunities are out there. And uh, Okay, so I'll, I'll stop yapping, and until next time, take care, everybody.